Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. All right, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me over to John chapter 13, and we're going to look at verses 18 to 38 today as we continue on in our Gospel of John series. Um, The scriptures that we're going to read are still around the Last Supper table. Uh, Last week we looked at the washing of the disciples' feet and the lessons that Jesus taught there. Uh, Today we're going to look at the conversation after that where Jesus reveals uh, that he knows who's going to betray him and also that Peter is going to deny him. So we're going to look at this important exchange there and all the lessons that it teaches us. It says this, Jesus says, I am not referring to all of you, for I know those that I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the passage of Scripture that he who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. For very truly I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he said this, Jesus became troubled and testified. Truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him, and Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him who he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. And Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought that Jesus was telling him to go buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Jesus had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify my glory glory will be in him at once. My children, I will not be with you much longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, Where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter said, Lord, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? For truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter had the heart, didn't he? But Jesus knew what he would do before he did it. Uh, This morning, I want to talk about both Judas and Peter, these two disciples that each have words with Jesus at that table. Jesus knows what both of them are going to do before they do it, that Judas would betray him and that Peter would deny him. I want to look closer at their story and its similarities, but also differences. And I want us to think about temptation in our own lives and God's grace and forgiveness for us when we fall. But before I get into that, I just want to say that this coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. 
and it marks the beginning of Lent, which is the six weeks leading up to Easter. And I'd like to encourage you uh, that if you don't already have something you're reading in the Bible, I would ask you to consider reading a half chapter out of John every day from now until Easter. There are 21 chapters in John, and so it would be perfect if you started at the beginning and just read one half chapter a day, you would finish on Easter. And so read this Gospel of John through Lent. Let that be your devotion time. Let these next, next six weeks be a special time. Some of the chapters we have already, you know, gone through here that I've already preached on, so you might recall some of that. But let the Lord speak to you in the quiet time you have with him in the word every day. I have loved this study in John. It is so deep. There is so much for us to get out of it. I mean, chapter 1 began with this great declaration that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. It's talking about Jesus, how He is one with God, the Son of God, and He came down from heaven to earth, took on flesh that we might know Him and that He might save us from our sins from that very beginning that declaration john throughout his gospel then starts telling story after story about this jesus and what jesus did and what jesus said and how it all proved that he was the son of god and john doesn't share every story of what jesus did we can read in matthew and mark and luke and hear other stories but john seems to pick his favorite ones to share with us. He shared about when he and the others were called to be disciples. He shared about the first miracle in Cana of turning water to wine. John shared about the Pharisee Nicodemus who came to Jesus at night and Jesus told him he had to be born again. He shared in John 4 about the Samaritan woman at the well. In John 5 about the healing of the paralyzed man at the pool. In John 6, he shared about the feeding of the 5,000 and the miracle that that was. In John 7, we read that Jesus walked on water and calmed the stormy seas. In John 8, we have this very touching story of Jesus standing up for a woman caught in adultery who everybody else wanted to kill. In John 9, he healed the blind man. Every story, there's a message, a sign of who Jesus is and what God dreams for us you know there was the time jesus taught that he was the good shepherd there was the raising of lazarus from the dead in john 11 the anointing of jesus by mary with her bottle of perfume in john 12 and how jesus rode into jerusalem on a donkey and people came out of their houses and yelled hosanna and then last sunday in john 13 we read how jesus washed his disciples feet and he taught all of us what it means to be a servant well, today in our scripture, we got the second half of John 13. The disciples are still there around the table. They're in the upper room there on Passover night. And, and from what we're told, it's just Jesus and the 12 that are present. And the Passover was this really special evening. And, and it was really a whole week, but this was the climax of it this evening, a most important time of year. And, and all the Jewish people, they would gather with their families in their homes and around their tables to celebrate on this night all over Jerusalem. 
It was a special meal. It was a remembrance meal, remembering back to how God rescued them out of slavery in Egypt and brought them into the promised land. This is the meal that Jesus is eating with his disciples. And the timing here is perfect because as they were remembering the past of how God saved them through the blood of the Lamb, the Lord in the present moment was about to lay down his life to save them for all eternity. It was right. It was about right to happen. Jesus was called the Lamb of God who would come to take away the sins of the world. And so the timing couldn't be more perfect. As they gathered together and they broke the bread, Jesus said, take this bread, and from now on remember me and my body, which will be broken for you. As they shared the cup, Jesus said, whenever you drink of this cup from now on, remember me and my blood that will be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This meal, this Passover meal, they were looking back, but Jesus was looking forward to what he was about to do in the morning. And every month at this church, we pause the first Sunday of the month to take of that bread and to drink of that cup again and remember that sacrifice. But those disciples, they're at that moment right there. And they don't understand what we we do today they wouldn't understand until after it happened they're living in the moment and it's a critical moment it's the most important moment in all of history in all the world at any time there's no more important moment in time than this the death and resurrection of Jesus is the climax of everything that has happened in this world since creation the moment that would change the course of history and future forever when sin and death would be defeated when our God would pay our debt in full when he would lay down his life only to take it up again when the way that had been closed would now be opened for us to enter the disciples are there and they don't realize it yet in the morning Jesus is going to be on a cross I just want to make this personal for a second <laughs> I gave my life to the Lord when I was a kid I asked Jesus into my heart I told him I believed in him and I asked him to forgive me of my sins and to come and live in my heart and there have been many moments since that day when I have been overwhelmed by the love and the grace of God and what he had done for me one of those was the day me and my friend Dallas went to Israel and we went to Golgotha, the place where Jesus died on that cross. It's a real place. It exists. <laughs> and it is a, it's just outside the Damascus Gate is a white stone cliff called Golgotha, which means the skull. And the white stone looks like a skull. And it's there where they used to crucify people. And I went there for the first time with my friend Dallas. He had nearly died of cancer the year before. We were about the same age, his kids the same age as mine. So he was young. He was in his 30s at the time, and his kids were about five and seven. And, and suddenly he got cancer, and, and life got real. And up until that point, he, he hadn't really thought much about Jesus. I mean, sure, he would attend church sometimes, but it really never went into his heart. But when he got cancer and everything started to fall, he was laying in the hospital bed. And that's the moment when he truly surrendered his life to the Lord and he cried out to God for help. And the Lord healed him. 
And every day after, Dallas saw as a gift, <laughs> and we became great friends. And so when the church gave me this trip to Israel, I had never been. And Dallas asked if he could join me, and it was such a blessing because he saw life through the eyes of a guy who had been given a second chance, a guy who had been shown amazing grace. And the day we went to see Golgotha, I, just, I remember it, we just sat there for the longest time in silence. There was nothing to say. We just couldn't stop crying. We just thanked God for loving us this much. For his forgiveness and his faithfulness to us when we have been so unfaithful. For the hope that he had put into our heart for eternity. Well, in our scripture for today, this cross, it's just about to happen. The actual moment that saved our life is just about to happen when Jesus would take the sins of the whole world upon his shoulders and the disciples have got no clue. Not even Judas he doesn't know that his decision to turn Jesus over is going to lead to that cross. But this was all part of the will of God for our salvation. Well, the night before that cross, they're around the, the table, the disciples and Jesus at that Passover meal. And Jesus has already washed their feet. He's already broken the bread and shared the cup with them. They're still sitting there eating together. And it's at that time when Jesus decides to share with them that he won't be with them much longer. And in fact, one of them is going to betray him. And Jesus actually quotes from Psalm 41 when he says, He who shared my bread has turned against me. Of course, the disciples are all shocked. First, where are you going, Jesus? And then second, how could one of us be the one to betray you? The scripture says they all stare at each other and they say, Surely not I, Lord. But Jesus knows who it is. It was Judas. Judas would betray Jesus. But it's interesting, in the same chapter we find that out, we also learn here about Peter. Peter is the one, boy, he loves the Lord. He's jumping out of the boat. He's asking John, who is it that's going to be the betrayer? I mean, he's zealous for the Lord. But in this chapter, we learn that even Peter, with all of that zeal, is also going to fall before the night is over. Jesus tells him that he's going to deny the Lord three times before the rooster crows. And so you got these two disciples paired kind of together here. And I love that it's Peter and Judas. For whenever a list of the 12 disciples is written in the Bible, Peter is always listed first and Judas is always listed last because in some respects they are kind of seen as polar opposites. Peter is seen as the good guy, the leader of the disciples and eventually the church. And Judas is seen as the bad guy, the betrayer who turned Jesus in for money. But in this chapter, they are in some ways paired together. And remember, they both started from the same place. They both started out following Jesus. Both of them were chosen by Jesus to be one of the twelve. They were both part of that inner circle for the past three years. And at some point, Judas was even made treasurer, an important position. But the Bible tells us that Jesus seems to have known for a while that Judas's heart was not like the others. But you know what's interesting to me is that Jesus doesn't kick Judas out of the group. 
Jesus still sent Judas out to do ministry when the others were sent out. And he included Judas with him all the way up until the end. Even welcomes Judas to the table here. Even washes Judas's feet. Even though he knows what Judas is about to do. What's even more fascinating to me is that if you read carefully here, you see that Judas is sitting right next to Jesus at the Last Supper. We know that because of what it says. For when John asked Jesus who it is that will betray him, Jesus says in verse 26, it's the one that I will give this piece of bread to after I have dipped it into the bowl. And that is a clue. Because Jesus didn't just dip the bread into the bowl and give it to anybody. But back then, the tradition of Passover was that you serve the person to your right. And so we learn from this that Judas was sitting next to Jesus at the Last Supper and to his right. And that seat was called the seat of honor. And the host determined who would sit there. And so that means that Jesus put Judas in the seat of honor at the Last Supper, even though he knew what he would do. And Jesus would have served him throughout the night. He not only washed his feet, but literally would serve Jesus, Judas through the meal. When Jesus broke the bread and said, this is my body broken for you, it would have been Judas that he would have given the bread to first. When Jesus blessed the cup and said, this is my blood shed for you, he would have first handed that cup to Judas because Judas was sitting to his right. Jesus loved his enemy all the way up until the very end. And it says here that Jesus was troubled in his spirit. It doesn't say that he was bitter or angry, but saddened by what he knew Judas was going to do. Well, what we read in our scripture is that on this holy night around that Last Supper table, Jesus has a conversation with both of these guys, Judas and Peter. He tells both of them that they are going to fall before the night is over. In Luke 22, we read that when he tells Peter, uh, Satan, he says, is going to try to sift you like wheat. And before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times, but I'm praying for you that you will return. And when you do, that you'll strengthen your brothers. And then he tells Judas in Matthew 26, woe to the man that betrays the Lord. The Son of Man will go as has been determined, but woe to that man. And when, when Jesus confronts both of them, both of these guys seem shocked at what he is saying. In Matthew 26, when Jesus tells the disciples, one of you will betray me, and they all say, surely not I, and then Jesus gives Judas the priest of bread, indicating that he knows that it's him, it says that Judas took the bread and looked at Jesus and said, surely you don't mean me, Rabbi which is a similar response to what Peter says when he is told that he's going to disown the Lord three times. Peter can't believe it. He says, I'll never disown you. I will die for you. Both of these disciples seem to say, this can't be right. But Jesus knows it is. Jesus knows what we all will do before we do it. He knows intimately about our sinful nature. He knows our heart. He knows who is sincere, but is still going to fall. And he knows who is not sincere. And I would say this is the difference between Peter and Judas. Judas was different from Peter. Judas said that he, what he said for show. Peter spoke from the heart. We know this because we know that Judas knew before the meal was already served that he was going to betray the Lord. 
In Luke 22, we read that Judas had already met with the chief priests earlier that day and had already taken their money. He knew what he was doing. Whereas Peter honestly wanted to follow the Lord, but in that moment of temptation denied him. But Peter loved the Lord and believed in him. Judas didn't. Judas might have said, surely not I, Rabbi, but the Lord knew who really belonged to him. Judas was lying. He was walking in the darkness. He was pretending. He had already made a deal with the devil. He was living in the shadows. He had already taken their money before he even shows up to Passover. And the Lord knows it. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who he must give an account. Our Lord sees what is done in secret. So can you imagine being Judas walking into that upper room that night and Jesus says, Hey Judas, I want you to come sit right next to me. I was reading Psalm 32 this week where David confesses his sin and he says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was zapped as in the heat of summer. And that's true. Unconfessed sin, boy, it eats at us. When you have unconfessed sin, when you're doing things in the darkness and trying to hide, you don't want to be near God because you know he can see you. It's like Adam and Eve. They tried to hide from God because they knew what they had done. So imagine being Judas sitting right next to the Lord, having him serve you all night long. It must have been like having hot coals poured out over your head. And then imagine right in the middle of dinner, Jesus saying, I know one of you is going to betray me. I'm telling you now so that when it happens, you will believe that I am who I am. In other words, Jesus is telling Judas, I already know what you have done. Nothing we do in secret is in secret. The Lord our God sees everything. Even our deeds done in the darkness. You are never alone. You may think you're getting away with something because others don't see it, but Jesus sees. God is there. He knows what we do in the darkness. Jesus said, I know one of you is going to betray me. He said, I'm going to go as prophesied, but woe to that man. Again, I think of Psalm 32 where it says, Many are the woes of the wicked. In a way, Jesus is warning Judas. But Judas keeps quiet. And so Jesus gives Judas the bread and says, What you're about to do, do quickly. I was thinking how in that moment, Judas could have come clean. He could have confessed. And if genuine with it, he would have been forgiven, but he didn't. Just like Cain, when God comes to him, God knows what Cain has done. He just wants Cain to acknowledge it. But Cain tries to hide his sin from God, even though the blood of his brother cries out. Or I think about Pharaoh, how God sent Moses to warn Pharaoh ten times that if he didn't obey God and let the Israelites go, disaster would come on him and his land. Ten times God tried to warn Pharaoh, but Pharaoh wouldn't listen. And so God gave him over to his hardened heart. When Jesus gives Judas that piece of bread, it's like he's given him over to his hardened heart. I want to read a couple verses about sin. In James 1.13, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. 
For God cannot be attempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. I think this is an important verse for us to remember today because even though it was God's will for Jesus to go to that cross, God did not make Judas do this. He did not tempt Judas. Satan tempted Judas, and Judas had a choice. He was led astray by greed and unbelief. He was enticed by money, and that gave birth to his betrayal of the Lord. God used this evil for his glory, but he did not cause Judas to sin. Judas did that himself. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own desire and enticed. We see that in the story of Judas. He loved money, and he didn't believe in Jesus. And so he was dragged away and enticed by the chief priests, and he took the bait. He took their money. And so it is in our life at times. The devil knows your weakness. Whether it is an ego or insecurity or greed or lust or anger or fear. And he plays on that. And he drags us away one step at a time until we are enticed. And ultimately give in to sin. And if that sin is not confessed and given to the Lord. It only leads to death. Another verse about sin though I just wanted to quickly mention. Is 1 John 1, 5 through 9 which says, this is the message we have heard and declare to you. God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with God and yet walk in that darkness, we lie and we do not live the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus will purify us from our sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Judas, he lived in the darkness. That's where sin lives. That's where Satan lives. It's in the darkness. He wasn't in true fellowship with Christ, even though he was sitting right next to him. And it's just like us. We can sit in church. We can play the part. But the Lord knows The Lord knows who is really his. Now, I want to say something, and I might be wrong about this. But I think that the reason Jesus invited Judas to sit right next to him at the table was because he knew Judas's heart. He knew Judas was far away from him. But the Bible says he desires none to perish and all to come to repentance. And Jesus said, He came to seek and save the lost. And so I think Jesus had Judas right next to him because he was hoping for Judas all the way up until the very end. I think Jesus knew that Judas and Peter were both going to fall. He says so. But just like with Peter, I believe Jesus was hoping that Judas would eventually realize his sin and return to him. And like the prodigal son, our father would have embraced and forgiven Judas for even this and restored him. And what a story that would have been. The Lord's forgiveness for even his betrayer. I mean, Jesus prayed on the cross, Father, forgive him. They don't know what they're doing. And that meant Judas too. He would have been forgiven if he would have come to the Lord. 
I love what Hebrews 4.16 says. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. If only Judas would have run to Jesus, he would have found forgiveness. But the Bible seems to tell us that Judas does not do this. The Bible tells us that Judas later realizes what he did, tries to undo it. He returns the money to the chief priest, but instead of running to Jesus for forgiveness, he runs away and takes his own life. He sees what he did, and he can't undo it. He can't live with himself for it. He sees Jesus on the cross and thinks it's all over. And in his unbelief, he takes his own life. And it is a tragedy because he does this before seeing that Jesus would rise from that grave and that his death on a cross is big enough to atone for every sin, even the really, really bad ones like this. His blood paid the price for that. Even Judas could have been forgiven. Romans 8 says there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And so I still hope that Judas in those last moments of his life may be repented. But the Lord only knows and he is the righteous judge. But today I just want everyone here to know that no matter how bad the betrayal, no matter what you have done, no matter how bad you think it is, he died for that. And if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive you of your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. And this is the story of Peter. Peter is different from Judas. Peter failed the Lord too, the very same night. He sinned just the same, equal in God's sight. But Peter believed in the Lord. Peter belonged to the Lord and loved the Lord. And in that moment when he failed... He called to him. Peter told Jesus, you know, at the Last Supper, I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus said, would you really? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. The Bible says that immediately after that third time, when the rooster crowed, Peter remembered what the Lord had said. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Both Judas and Peter felt bad about what they had done, but the difference here is the Savior. For where is Peter... On Easter Sunday, he's with the disciples in the upper room. And the moment that Mary comes and knocks on the door and says the stone has been rolled away, it is Peter who runs to that tomb in faith running for Jesus. We see his heart, how much he loved the Lord. And when he got to that tomb, he went in right away. He saw the grave clothes and it says he believed. And later that day, Jesus appeared to him and the other disciples and said, My peace I give to you. And in the final chapter of John, Jesus appears to Peter on that fishing boat. And they got a moment together when Jesus renews his call on Peter's life. And Peter knows that forgiveness. And Peter tells Jesus how much he loves him. And Peter goes on. To serve the Lord in amazing ways. The difference is faith. That in our sin, we know we have a Redeemer. This is an emotional scripture for me. Because we can all fall into temptation. And even the unbeliever like Judas has regrets. But Jesus came for regrets. He came to save sinners like Judas and Peter and us. 
And that is good because we all sin. We all need saving. We all need forgiveness. And I love the Lord and I want to do good. But like Peter, I can fall. And sometimes I can fall badly. I can be tempted like anybody. And if I'm not careful, I can walk in darkness and start to try to hide it. I can follow my desires and get enticed, even though I know better. I can cave under pressure. The Lord knows I can. But I believe in the blood of Jesus. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the mercy that saves me. Jesus, who died for me on that cross. I believe in him. His love is better than life. He is my strength, my hope. His grace is enough. His spirit convicts me of that sin. And I have learned to confess that the moment, the moment that he lays it on my heart and to return to him. He is always there to embrace me when I return to him. And the Lord helps me overcome. The difference between Judas and Peter is not the sin. It's faith in the Savior. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.